welcome to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. As usual, I'm Max. And I'm Nikki. And together we're... Max and Nikki. On today's episode, we'll be talking about uh, world music appropriation in American pop music, or in American rock and pop music. Um, and this well, is the pop music encapsulates not just current, not pop not media, not, not the genre of pop, which is but you know, what is popular. In, what is popular, which is what it really does mean. I mean, there is a sort of a genre of pop if you kind of think about it in a way. But at this point, where we're we're at now in music, actually, I think pop music, most the oh, genre of pop music, there's no real genre of pop music. I would, I used to probably say maybe in the early 2000s and late 90s there was a certain poppy. Well, even in the 80s, there's certain things that sound poppy. But, uh, but you know, right today, now, like every rap is popular, you know, right? That's so it's just a, kind of a I form think, of pop music. So like pop music now, kind of uh, just encapsulates many genres. Many, right? I, I don't quite think there's m- that much of a genre of pop music okay. now. You know what right. I mean? If does that make sense? I, I, anyway, listeners? that's going to be the topic for today. But before we get to that, we got some station business. Um, our next vintage basement with Max and Nikki show is just in. A week and a couple days on Monday, February 12th, 2018, at 9 p.m. at Under St. Mark's Theater in the East Village of Manhattan, New York. And um, yeah, we've got a great lineup for it. We've got Mark Norman, Anna Dresden, uh, Harris Meyerson, those weird guys, and a couple other special guests. Caroline Busa is one Busa. of those. And um, plus, possibly another. Uh, very uh, strong uh, comic as well that is going to be special guest. Hopefully, um, she'll be able to get there in time. But, um, yeah. But, you know, it's already a great lineup, even without that special guest. And so where can you get your tickets? Because tickets will be going fast, as they usually do. Uh, you can get them at com or horsetrade.info. Um, and you better get those tickets while you still can. Anyway, um, is there anything you'd like to mention before we get going with this topic at hand? Um, I guess, well, I mean, I guess the Oscar nominations came out since we last talked. And, you uh, know, I, was ta- I, I just kind of think, wow, this year is really not. I this mean, I a- haven't seen every movie this year, but I just kind of. This might be a pretty weak year for film in general. Um, not, but it's not. That week, it's just that a lot of the, I guess, good movies this year weren't even nominated for Best Picture. Some of them were. Um, there And there were a lot of nominees. Uh, I was talking to my friend Matt about why they decided to start making... I think when Avatar was nominated for Best Oscars, that's the first for time they best had... Best Oscars, you says? For Best um, Picture. Uh, that was the first time they started uh, nominating more than like five or six or something right. like that. Um, and he said the reason was, um, so now it's like kind of, they can choose between like five to 10 or something like that. And I think there's nine this year. And he said the reason for that was, um, the year prior to them doing that was when Dark Knight, uh, could have been nominated and no, and it wasn't nominated. And a lot of people were kind of up in arms about it because they thought that that movie, though it wouldn't, 
be a typical movie that would be nominated. People felt that it was such a good movie that it should have been nominated. And so that's why they started, you started seeing other movies included in that list that weren't typical of, of what might people might people might perceive as being a best picture even though in, in our including opinions, the, that including movie, avatar even though our opinions that movie the dark knight is not best picture worthy it's, it's actually not, not a great movie the only thing that is redeeming about it is Heath, Heath Ledger's, Ledger's performance, performance which and and he did win best actor post best posthumously supporting actually actor, supporting actor right and, and and he should have actually but you know what i learned recently um I, but the, i i can maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I can. I can kind of. Can I maybe understand a little bit why people thought it might have been a best picture, though? But, you know what uh, I'm saying? Got it. I know, but there's so many bad things about it. I don't want to get into it because we're not talking right, about but, the Dark Knight. But uh, here's another thing, though. But wait, can the I problem just talk- is, though, wow. oh, Avatar I, was nominated the next year after that, and that was an awful movie, straight up. Um, but did you know what I learned recently about Heath Ledger's performance and his de- death? That? Um, is that so I? I just. Apparently, Michelle Williams came out recently and said that his death was actually due to suicide. It was a suicide. Really? And it, apparently, I mean, I got to research this more. I should have done that before I'm talking because I hope I'm not misspeaking here. But this is what I heard, and apparently this is true, is that he, it, his, he got so into the role of playing the Joker that he actually started feeling guilty about about basically punishing good people, um, which is what the Joker does in the movie. You know, he, you know, he makes these innocent people kind of go through hell. You know, by having Batman try to choose between killing, you know, some prisoners or some, you know, killing some innocent people. Anyway, um, he so started feeling so guilty because he got so into the role of the Joker that it was affecting his real life you know, personality. And he got into a serious depression over it. And I don't understand. So in other words, he started starting feeling, he felt like it almost had a reverse effect. Like he felt so bad about what he was doing in his fake movie role that he started feeling, he felt like he even the slightest bit, even if somebody started feeling slightly bad and that was a good person, he started feeling bad about that. He felt so guilty about it because he, felt like he actually put through people people through that you know oh in his real life yeah and that and why why would like in other aspects of his life you mean uh, no no in in real life he thought it was almost as if no aside from the movie role he had done that i don't i I have to look into it more but it's almost as if he couldn't discern between what was reality and not almost it's almost like he thought that him being the Joker was real almost, basically, you know. Um, I think. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was it was a guilt it was guilt caused by playing the role of the Joker that ultimately led him to killing himself. And, and this is actually another topic we should be discussing at another time, I suppose. Method acting versus other types of acting. And I'm talking about American the me- the American method acting. Method, American method acting. Well and what we mean by that is Lee Strasberg method acting. Because um, there's other people can call method acting. This is other what happens too. when you get too into a role, and I think that's a problem. Actually, you know, with things method acting. Um, my overall thought on that is that it is a problem, and that even though it gets the job done, I feel like that it it becomes less acting, and it becomes more kind of 
you just being psychologically, a person, you know, psychologically harmful to you to be able to, well, to be doing that acting kind of thing, anyway. Know? I guess I mean acting is like your acting should be pretending, you know. Well, yeah, I mean that's your opinion of it. I mean mine too, but I'm just saying that's. I mean, what is when you say should? What does that mean? You know, I mean that that that's your opinion, you know. But um, anyway, uh, so that's, to play a role means you're playing something else. You know, that's right. not you, and right. it shouldn't. You well, no, you can play the role of yourself. That's that's, that's sometimes people have a hard time doing that. I was actually. listening to Tom Hanks talk about acting today on an interview, and he was saying, "Sure, you know, you could." introduce aspects of yourself into a role, but there's always going to be something different in the role you play, you know, that's not quite you, or else it's just documentary, you know? You know what I'm saying, Max? I mean, not documentary, but maybe biography. Yeah, or else it's just biography, you know? So there's always going to be an aspect of playing a character, you know? Uh, even though you're or using, autobiography. you're using qualities about your own personality in that role, you know. Well, I mean, what if you're playing a role that's very similar to yourself? I mean, people do that. Woody Allen has done that in the past, maybe in all, almost all of his movies, actually. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but those things aren't true. So he does have to, uh, like the things that happen in his movie aren't true; they're fake. Right, and so in that sense. He's got to get into the character or in the mindset that these things aren't real, you know? I mean, or he has to make it believable on screen while understanding as an actor that they aren't real, you know? Because when you actually cross that line, when you actually start believing that the things in in the play or film that you're acting in are real... That's a problem, and that's maybe what happened with Heath Ledger. It's, hap- it's happened to Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, I know a lot of when people did, highly praised Daniel Day Lewis in his acting, but but you know he I just don't agree with his in, style of. He his, was uh, involved in a production of Hamlet for trying to be Daniel Day Lewis. I think. I mean, I don't know if he changed. Daniel Day Lewis was involved in a production of Hamlet on stage, and in the middle of his production, he broke down because he actually he actually thought he saw the ghost of his dead father. And Which so, is what happens in Hamlet. And, and so he walked off stage and couldn't handle it and basically said that he'd never do another stage production again. And that's a problem. If you can't move on with the scene, and aren't there other there's sto- a problem aren't with there that, other story- your acting style. Right. Aren't there other stories of him in my left foot having to be carried to the set? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, in fact, because he wanted fact, to be in the role, I mean, in, that's ridiculous. In, Sante. in the in in Lincoln when he was playing Lincoln, uh, Andrew uh, he was playing Andrew Lincoln, you know the actor. No, uh, sorry, I don't know who that actor is. He's he's in The Walking Dead, but just kidding. I don't watch it anyway. Um, he's also in Love Actually, but never seen it. You've never seen Love Actually. I just it's not a good don't want to see it. Really I actually movie. have no desire to see that. Although movie. I will say Emma Thompson is very good in it, but it and so is Laura Linney. But it is a very cheesy movie. It's, it's really dumb. Some of it. It I don't just know seems how, like a cheesy. Why do people movie. like? I just that don't want to so see much. it. You know. Um, but um, anyway, uh, maybe I have a little desire to see it just because other people Daniel Day Lewis have said okay. they liked it, but I just don't. I and I just want to 
prove to myself that oh, I probably okay. uh, that I won't like it by watching it in a weird anyway. Have you ever thought about that about yes, watching the movie? I have. I have. You I only have. see it because your natural inclination to hate the movie is pr- you want to prove that by that's watching. What, that's the, movie. the thing. What ha- happened with Lord of the Rings? Actually, I eventually watched the trilogy, even though I thought uh, you liked the movie. I did not. I did not. I thought you said you liked the first one. I did not. Or the second one. I no. There's did some you, major problems with the second one. I thought actually. you said there was something you thought. There it was are some engage. There's engaging aspects of all the films, um, especially the third one. But there's some major cheesiness going on in all of them, and some plot holes, especially in the second one. That I'm like, why did they choose to take this out? Because from what I understand, that kind of plot hole is not in the actual books. But I mean, when those books. Say, the, when you say I've read take, the first book is so boring. When you say take stuff out, by the way, it's interesting to know how much the studio has an effect on these big movies. I mean, it really sucks because the director, his name is being put on stuff, and the writer is putting his or his or her name on it, um, or their name. That's I what happened say. with the fantastic, and, the latest Fantastic Four movie. Well, let me finish. The director. Let me finish. Can I finish? Can I, I get, finish? We get what you're trying to say. No, but it's just it's a too bad because they're, they put in this work. You put all this work into it. And their vision, and then the the studio might yeah, say, okay, we get "No, it. we got to do this." The, it the, happened with what, fantastic. No, it I was going to say, I've just, "Can I just say something?" Gravity. No, it happened with Fantastic with Four, gravity. the latest Fantastic Four movie. Um, the guy, the director, a week before it was released, went on Twitter and said, "The latest, ins- the latest installment of Fantastic Four could have been a good movie, but the production studio, the studio decided to make it bad." Um, he and he directed it himself, like, but he came out against it because he would. He wait, did that come out? He recently? basically disassociated himself with the film. Yeah, yeah. it came out in two thousand fifteen or something. Well, well, also Gravity. Uh, there wasn't. What's who's the director? Guillermo del Toro. No. Oh God. Or oh, no, when are these? God. Oh my God. Scratch it. Edit it. Who's the director again? No, it's um. Uh, uh, Alberto uh, Unuzzo? Uh, no, Tunu- no, no, God, get out, get out of my head. Tani, no, Max, it's, um, oh gosh, it's, uh, Quaron, uh, or, uh, what's his name? Um, <sighs> oh God, uh, Gabriel. No, it's, um, oh man, A, B, C, D, E, F, Quanchero. G, H, I, J, K, L, Horatio Sands. N, Oh, Nunez. P- Max, you're not helping. P, Q, Alfonso Caron. Caron. <laughs> you already passed that. I know, but I got it. Um, anyway, did you know this? Basically, every year since Gravity. No, oh, I, um, I, let me finish the Gravity. Uh, no, no, every year Alfonso since Gravity. Alfonso Caron, right? Every since. Was that his y- yes. name? Yes. He. He wanted there to be not really any music in it to really kind of uh, depict what's being in space and the loneliness of space is like. Because he even has Did a Did you quote. actually read this, though? I thought you told me that. I know, but I somebody told me that, but I I'm, was remember having a hard time finding the actual quote. Oh, maybe this isn't true. But if that did happen, and because there's a quote in the beginning that says, you know, you can't hear anything in space or something like that. And... Uh, it would have been cool if there wasn't really any music in the in the thing. But they actually overuse. But they music. overuse music instead. Anyway, did you know that 
every year since Gravity, a Mexican director has won the Oscar for Best Director. Did he win it? Oh, except for last year. Except for last year. Damien Chazelle won last year. Sorry. Uh, Did he win it from from Gravity? He did win it from Gravity. And then uh, Alejandro Iñárritu won the following year for For Birdman. Birdman. And then he won the following year again for The Revenant. Wow, he won it two years in a row. He did. And then... Damien Chazelle won, uh, you know, the following year for La La Land. And then this year, it's probably, people are thinking it's going to be Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Toro, you know? Has he ever, he's never won that. No, he hasn't. For what? Is it called, uh, what is it called? Body? Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Uh, I have to see that still. Anyway, but, uh, what I wanted to say about, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dale Day-Lewis is for the movie Lincoln, his family would come to set and they had to refer to him as, you know, Abraham Lincoln and had to talk to him as, as if Abe, he were the president. You as know? Abe. Um, Mr. President. Now, I was listening to Martin so Freeman. I was listening to Martin Freeman, who's an English actor, in, in a classically, you know, a stage, an English stage oh, actor he's an too. an English actor. And he was talking about how he's like, I don't, when I'm playing a role, if I have to play like, uh, somebody with an accent, an American accent, I stay in that accent after when when the film is not rolling or when I'm off stage, just so I don't lose the accent. He's no, like, that's I, a different no, thing. But, but he said, I'm not one of these guys that has to be that character off stage or off screen. He's like, I'm more normal self. I just stay in the this accent because it's the accent thing is more of a muscle thing. You're like your muscles get used to using doing an accent, and so you want to keep it that way, you know, for the remainder of the film. Wait, what or is he in whatever. again, though? He's in The British Office. He's in right. Sherlock. He plays Watson. He's in uh, the Fargo series, the first season of Fargo, and he's in, um, you know, he's in lots of things. He plays, uh, you know... Isn't he in a movie his, or something? He plays Bilbo Baggins in, in The Hobbit. That's right. That's what I'm thinking about. He plays Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> He, wait, isn't Bilbo Baggins also a little bit in Lord of the Rings or no? I don't remember. Well, I don't know. I read half of The Hobbit. <laughs> I read The Fellowship of the Ring. Let me tell you. I, I got to see no. Boring, the, the Hobbit was actually movie. not boring. I just. I mean, boring, boring book. The Hobbit was not boring. I just. I had a book report due in eighth grade, and I read half of the book. Oh, my God. And then the book report was like due, and I had to do the book report. When I finished the book report, I just didn't decide to read the rest I'll, of I'll it. I'll tell you this. I, I had the really book report like due. I had a book report time. due, and I had to read The Fellowship of the Ring, and it's, all, it's you know, 500 pages plus. Plages. And I read it in five days because I had to. Um, you read it in five days? I did. I totally did. Straight up did. Because I remember it was due, we were uh, we went to Big Bear actually, or not Big Bear, but whatever. Maybe it's Big Bear. We did go to, and uh, we had, we had to read like was it Big Bear actually? No, it might have been in another. Uh, maybe it was I basically had to read a hundred pages a day, and that was I had to do that, and it was God, it was frustrating. You know, it was like God, it was so difficult because it's such a boring book in a lot of ways. I mean, Elrond's Council, ugh, God, that chapter, ugh. Anyway, anyway, you're already boring me with your conversation. Anyway, a little bit less conversation. Anyway, let's get to our topic at hand here. Um, So the appropriation of basically world music into pop music. Now, 
What sparked our interest in discussing this today? Well, uh, our friend on Facebook posted an article that was featured in Pitchfork. Uh, what sparked Nikki's interest in this conversation? What's, you I'm too. Not really what, as passionate what, about it, but whatever. Was uh, it, an article that was featured in Pitchfork uh, maybe yesterday, um, and it was about... It had Vampire Weekend. Wait, it was, what'd you say? An article that was what? Featured in Pitchfork. I say that again? Featured in Pitchfork. Featured or featured, what'd you say? I said featured. <laughs> I thought he said featured. Anyway, why would I say that? Because you have said that in the past. No, I have past. never. You said, said, you that, have said in that in the past, not the featured. <laughs> you idiot. Why would I say that? That's so stupid. Because you mispronounced I've never sometime. done that. I've never done that. Yes, you have. No, I didn't. I, if you're talking about when I say roof, well... Instead of roof, well, Kyle McLaughlin said roof. I oh, heard him God. in an interview. I'm not talking and I'm about like, that. It is. It can be said as roof. I'm not talking about. Anyway, um, so I didn't say it can't be, but I'm like, where are you from? You're clearly not from my household. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so the article had vampire. The members of Vampire Weekend on. Uh, you know, that was the main photo, and. It already kind of sparked my interest because I do like Vampire Weekend. I really do. Me, um, me, OC, the, me, OC. The headline was something like, um, hearing the music, uh, of my, um, uh, father, of my father in Vampire Weekend, something like, something that. like that. And basically the article has to do with how, um, the songwriters in, in Vampire Weekend have appropriated, um, Not just the songwriters, I would say the whole band. The whole band has appropriated the sounds of African music in their own music. Um, and how that Vampire Weekend were, was kind of like a, a leader in the trend of indie pop bands doing that. And they still or do, indie do rock that bands. today, um, till today. And the writer goes on to explain that when she first heard Vampire Weekend, it bring her, brought her a lot of joy because basically her father was a, a big producer in Africa, or not for not in Africa, but for African music, and um, he had a label that was devoted to producing records by African artists, you know, and um, so she she expressed a lot of joy when upon first hearing uh, Vampire Weekend because she was like. Oh wow! Um, this band is bringing to light in America African the the music of my people, basically, um, and of my father. And but she even goes on to say that as she got more involved in social media, as she got older, the the issue of this band who is white um, appropriating Actually, appropriating I, appropriating time out. They're not. Wait, is it? No, they're not. What is his name? What's the? Oh, they're not all they're white. Not all they're not actually. all right. Rostam, actually. What uh, is he? He's like Iranian or something like well, that. He's that Pers- is still, he's Persian. That's still considered Caucasian. Actually, I don't like that definite. I don't like. That, I don't, uh, Nikki. I don't like it either. Actually, no, I'm, I know, but I. The fact that you're saying that is arbitrary. Actually, it's you're like, right. You're right. I. I you're right. I'm just saying. There's no point in mentioning that right now. I'm just saying. Even though, though, like, I'm uh, just saying though, people. Yo, you're right, but it's still considered. Whatever. You're right. No, I you're don't right. care what is considered. I don't. You're right. Middle Easterners are. I don't. I mean, 
Well, I, I feel like especially in this time, Persians, act, Persians, especially right now, actually, it's uh, middle mid, being Middle Eastern. Middle is Eastern actually, is not white at well, all. It's, it's I mean, not considered. Or, um, it, it's considered a minority. Actually, yes, exactly. Um, anyway, Rostam is a Persian descent, I believe. Um, and anyway, so that was awesome. That's another argument I should have made against that guy. Anyway, um, so Vampire Weekend, who's this, you know, basically this band, which was kind of considered, you know, preppy indie pop, basically, or like um, college pop in a way. Um, you know, they appropriated this African music into their own music. And um, so the girl was talking about how, you know, as she got more involved in social media, it became more of a politicized issue for her. And she couldn't help being influenced by the politics that go on in social media, which is a problem on social media. Well, it, it can be a problem. It can be good, but too. But it also... Because it could raise awareness, but it but also it is also, a big problem. It also... Because it, you, can, it, you see a lot of, like... like social justice social warriors. Social justice warriors that are... Narrow-minded. Over... Overly, uh, that that become narrow minded. And they're overly, and they're not very. They're not they become very, a narrow minded in their progressiveness, and they're not. And so they're not. So in other words, they're not really that. They're progressive, not very pra- pragmatic about anything. Right. Actually. Right. Um, they become very narrow minded and stubborn. Actually, yeah. What, and, that's the and problem. Less, and less progressive, actually. Right. And that's the problem. That they're not really open to actually. They're trying to be progressive, but in in the attempt to be progressive, they become less progressive. That's right. That's um, right. But uh, anyway, so. If or, and close-minded by her or getting and both sort of, um, I would say, introduced to that the politics of uh, in social media, her sort of innocence is washed away a little bit in listening to a band like Vampire Weekend, where it really is about for her. It was about kind of just it brought joy to her to listen to that music, you know, um, and. So I think, and that's ultimately what a band like that is trying to accomplish is bring joy to people, millions of people, you know? Um, music is not always intended to bring joy to people. It can bring sadness, but well, I think... Well, it's in- intended to bring a connection. It's bring, intend, to, in, intended to bring a connection that speaks beyond words, you know? Or well, that, there's the words. There are the lyrics words. in it, but that... No, I think it brings a connection that... No, it is intended. Intended. Well, connection. connection that the connection. In, is, to relate is to everyone. The the, the relation. The the intention. The relationship that it has to somebody should ultimately be one that, or the feeling that someone feels is not something that they can get from mere words, but rather, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Yes, I get you. Um. Anyway. Uh. So. In the end, she so she talks about how she started having a problem with the idea that it was were these white bands that well not it, she didn't have a problem with that they were white bands it was just that they weren't um, basically outwardly naming the influences that were you know that it, have influenced their, the, well, their that, band the influence that were uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for that were pervasive in within that community of indie pop and indie rock in America and 
but their those artists that they were being influenced by weren't outwardly named, you know, and um, she had kind of mixed feelings about it. But ultimately, she decided in the end that it was okay. And I thought the article ended on a good note because she talked about how um, the uh, the intention of that kind of African music is not about naming the names. It's about just bringing joy and um, serenity to people. And so if the music of Vampire Weekend and other artists like them are bringing joy and serenity to people, then the influence of the African music is doing its job. And she felt good about that. Uh-huh. What? I'm trying to explain this. But you keep talking. Like anyway, this. so I had a few problems with this article because first of all, what's the point? If she was okay with it in the end, then what's the point of talking about it? By, by, for, for me, by introducing the article, it, and a lot of people might just read the headline or might not read the whole article through, it causes people, it causes an uproar of these social justice warriors, I will call them, who will only see this as a black and white issue and not a gray issue, and they will see it, and it basically sort of... It might perpetuate... It perpetuates an, the idea that, oh, we shouldn't be listening to people, Vampire Week, Weekend anymore, or bands like that. Or bands we, like that, otherwise we should feel guilty about or listening we should, to that. Or it, it perpetuates, perpetuates the idea of feeling guilty about listening to... To pop music. To pop music. Because or pop music that... Actually, I should also say pop music that only that that uses african beats or african influence um which is also one of the problems with the article by the way is that no not, i wouldn't say maybe no that's not a problem with the article but maybe a problem with what people might perceive the article to be about actually right. and i will say that i think it a better job that the the writer of the article could have done was to say that this doesn't just happen with African music, but that it happens. It with happens with all all music a lot from of around the world, from around the world, yeah, from Southeast Asia, from the Appalachians. You know, I well, mean, Appalachians is in America, but well, I know, but it is different. It is those people aren't recognized for them, right? I, um, it's it just that would be considered kind of world music in a way, you know, uh, or right, Americana. Might be, could be Americana actually. Um, but, but you know, I mean, East just music, Asian music or Indian music, um, you know, uh, Javanese gamelan, you know, um, I mean, is, you know, uh, what, what's the music that comes from Australia? You know, I mean, you know, Aboriginal uh, music, something like that, yeah, or even like uh, traditional Icelandic music. You know, that's it, evident in actually Bjork's music, and she is from Iceland. But yeah, so um, what are you saying? That's kind of not really, uh, you know, I know, but she's appropriating her own culture's music in what I would consider, I don't know, maybe not. I, I take that back, actually, about Bjork. But um, I like Bjork music, Bjork's music, by the way, just to make that clear. Um, right, I guess the point we're the point trying to make is, ultimately is that, is that she should we have, actually don't, the point, I don't have no, a problem with the appropriating I don't, styles. I don't, uh, the pro- she doesn't either the, by the, the person the, over the, the article. I think she should have made it more clear in the article that this doesn't just happen with African music. And I think it's a problem to just call out artists that appropriate African music, you know, um, if you're going to call out anybody. Um, and I don't think you should be calling out anybody, actually. Um, I think 
you know, I think it's a good, I mean, anyway, so that's the problem is it, it makes people feel, it, it will make people either feel guilty about listening to that kind of music like Vampire Weekend. And I hate that that Vampire Weekend is the band that is the target for, for this, you know, because it's, they're, they are a very good band, you know? And so, um, so this allows, it permit, it permits these social justice warriors to make people actually feel guilty about it. They'll, right. they'll tell people to feel guilty about it. And there will be this bandwagon effect because this is what happens with social media is the people get on these bandwagon effects. This is what happened last year with La La Land, La La Land and Moonlight, which I, you know, people were pitting the two against each other, basically because of these. When social in fact, the people who were actually creating those things embraced, each, embraced other's each other's works, works, and they adored each other's works. Right, they celebrated each other's works, and so, but it's the social justice warriors on social media that perpetuate the idea that we need a, we need to choose sides. Basically, a you lot know, of that times, we need to choose sides, and that's a problem. So. So there are real social justice warriors that are important, and I that think. that approach it approach uh, things in a social justice in a more pragmatic and logical manner, actually. Well, um, and and, pro- and truly progressive and truly manner. progressive manner, and in a way that is well, it's not just pragmatic, but it's also in a um, in an optimistic, positive, an way. optimistic, positive way, and non uh, prohibitive way, right? Um, um, and I think, but a lot of what you see. People in the guise of social justice, um, they 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 uh, will talk about prohibition instead of they will yeah they'll be very judgmental and negative towards you know people and I think that's a bad thing will cause prohibition of of (laughs) saying prohibition because it is like alcohol prohibition as opposed to progression you know and that's a problem Um, so but why is this idea of of world music appropriation in in pop music so important to us because it is in all music. It's not just African music and it is what makes music progress. And that's a good thing. You know, it's, you know, we can't progress without being influenced by more and more cultures, you know, I mean, and that's a good thing because, um, and because it allows, if we're not influenced by other cultures, then we're going to, you're right. It makes it less innovative, the music. And I think when we appropriate other styles into our other music, in our, to our music, we are also uh, giving that, those musics uh, a bigger stage actually. So people might look into that music more. You people know? might be more interested. In fact, bring up the, the origins, Paul, you know? Paul Simon, Paul Simon, uh, you know, Graceland is, this is something that uh, I noticed people talking about, from this article was Graceland. I mean, I mean, it's very evident Vampire that Vampire Weekend, Weekend, Vampire Weekend is very influenced by Paul Simon, especially, and it's, especially it's Graceland. It's almost more like people should be complaining that Vampire Weekend has kind of stolen stuff from Paul Simon because it is right. Sometimes so, it is pretty evident that right, they so, straight up right, not so, stole it purposely, but maybe subconsciously stole some of his ideas. ideas. And here's the thing about it is uh, the person of the article was saying that she, or the person who wrote the article was saying that she was complaining that or she just at first was that that they weren't mentioning the names that, that she was except they were the only by, name that, that they would mention that, was, well that bands like that wouldn't mention is Fela Kuti but the problem is I, I mean I'm not sure what Vampire Weekend especially at that time what their influence 
of African music was, but I think maybe more that so, was the maybe, only music. Maybe that- I maybe think though they were more than African music. They were influenced by Paul Simon, though, which they have pointed to, um, and I think maybe they were perhaps maybe they were directly influenced by African music as well. But I think they were certainly influenced by African African music indirectly through Paul Simon. So in other words, uh, it, you know, who, by the way, Paul Simon did put, uh, he did create a bigger stage for, what was the band that he would use, that he used in Graceland? What was the name? Oh, Lady something or another. Um, L- Lady La- Smith Mambazo? Mom- Black- M- Lady Smith Black Mambazo. Right, right, Lady Smith Black Mambazo. Um, um, it brought... To light in no, not to light. What are you saying? Brought no. to light. That's okay, a weird okay. thing to say. Sorry. No, it created a much more global stage for them uh, because Paul Simon used them in his music, and they wouldn't have. So he was appropriating African music into his pop music, um, and it was a good thing because it created a bigger stage for them in the world, and they and became so, they became internationally known in fact, because of that. In fact, the writer of this article from Pitchfork is a little ignorant in not kind of saying, hey, this actually happened with Paul Simon, and he did give a, a broader stage for now, I will say, a group like this. I will say, though, that what is not, maybe she isn't ignorant because uh, she was specifically talking about indie groups, but and Paul no, Simon, she, she did mention Graceland actually in the article. Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, in, in a negative way. No, I don't know. I can't remember. It's it well, was then a long that article. is ignorant then because but, well, he clearly was pointing to his influence on this on his music. But I mean, also, it's also clearly ev- so. If you're listening to Vampire Weekend or if you're listening to Paul Simon, I mean, it is evident that African influences are at play. So if that's the the case then you can just choose to seek that stuff out yourself. Yeah, if, you know what I true, mean? if one was truly interested in knowing about the world music that influences these bands, then they would choose to seek it out themselves. Um, now, here's I, the thing wait, about... Wait, 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 can I just let me finish, just say can I finish the, the argument against that? Can I just finish the thought? Okay. Can I just finish the thought? And... Um, so, it's... <laughs> no, because you made me lose my train of thought. Um, you know... Vampire Weekend, what was it? Uh, what was I just saying? Um, it is evident, and oh, it, it's evident in the music, and and so that's good. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. You made me lose my train of thought. Okay, so what I was going to say... <laughs> um, uh, uh, oh, the argument against that, though, is... Uh, I don't like bringing up the argument against yet. No, no, hold on. Oh, we what we were saying, about. what we were just talking about, though, uh, that uh, brings them to a bigger stage. No, oh, 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 oh I was gonna say, uh, oh, an argument against them seeking out. They can just kind of listen to the music themselves and really and figure out. Oh, 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 this is African influence. The problem with that is, um, the argument against that is younger generate maybe younger people who only know this kind of music, like that is the pop music, might not know. Hey, this in this other music has informed our music. Okay, so they may so, not know to actually even look. They they may not recognize those influences, and so, so they may not know, look to that. So that's stuff, the good you know? thing about this article is right. it does kind of raise awareness. It raises awareness about the things that 
maybe Vampire Weekend and bands like that are indirectly influenced by, and or she directly brings up, influenced. She brings, or directly she brings influenced. up genres of African music that um, that I didn't know about, um, and she brings up specific names that I didn't know about either, and um, and actually uh, our friend who had posted the article re- uh, today, he talks about how he's listened to African music all his life. And she even brought up stuff that he never even heard of. And he, the point is that he had sought out this kind of music for his whole life, and still she brought up things that she didn't he he didn't know about. So even, you know, again, I guess that's a good thing about the article. But I think the point is is that if you're truly interested, you're always going to want to seek out things, and it's not. I I, I don't know. It, it's it's. So it brings us to this whole idea that, okay, do we need to name off every influence that has affected our music at all, or uh, all the time? I don't think so. I don't think that's uh, necessarily important. I th- I personally believe in naming off my own influences because I want I personally want people to seek out the music that has influenced my own music, but I don't think it's a necessarily the responsibility, um, it, as long as the artist is not stealing from a previous influence, like directly stealing, but if they're influenced by the sound in some way, um, if they're not directly stealing actual phrases from or melodies from a specific um, previous artist, um, then I think it's okay because it just that's what breeds new genres of music, you know, and that's a cool thing, I think. You right, know? and I should say, uh, what's his name again? That you know, the dum bum bum bum. You know, he was a rock and roll guy. What's the name? What? I mean, what are you talking about? That's oh, so yeah. unspecific. Oh, diddly. So here's the thing about oh, it, oh, though. Diddly. The the another problem I had with the article though was that she was singling out indie rock, indie pop bands that have been influenced by this music. But here's the thing. This has been happening in pop music throughout history. I mean, Starting even with- not just um, not just these indie pop bands, um, and I know some of the back, some of the people that were, uh, you know, that liked the article were, or some people that I've com- seen comment on it uh, who are kind of seemingly these kind of social justice warriors were saying they were kind of making it a race thing actually and saying that well these white boys get all the money and they're not talking to, you know and leave these black people in the dust first of all here's the thing this, this is not this just should not a, be a monetary argument and it, because because it, because they're not stealing actual melodic phrases from well okay i mean if they that, were then yes the well, the that, artists that influence them should be monetarily uh, compensated okay. or, or recognized for for their influence. But if that's not happening, then um, that's that's not the right argument for this article. You know? right. And I don't think that was the argument for the article. But uh, here's the thing is, it's not just white artists, though, actually, that appropriate. It's black artists, too. And uh, I, mean, I mean, a lot of hip-hop I, good, artists but- sample uh, music from around the world. Uh, in fact, they sample a lot of hip hop artists sample American, past American music, yeah, jazz, know, but, jazz a lot. But and, that's okay. And they don't outwardly 
you know, name the names who influenced it. In fact, I just read well, an article. On, let me, that, I just read an article that this, I don't think this is a good argument, by the way, about what you're about to say. Why? Because you're about he's you're gonna say that Hollow Notes has been sampled in what? No, no, no. The one sp- song from Hollow Notes has been sampled in over eleven thousand hip hop songs. Okay, that's great. But, but the Hollow Notes has had much success in their. I lives, know, you know, but that's not the point, though, because the because the art the writer of this article even says that the musicians that influenced Vampire Weekend, the African music musicians that influenced Vampire Weekend are popular in their own communities and countries. So if they're popular within the circles that enjoy that kind of music, then shouldn't that be good enough? Yeah, so but I Hall will say Oates, that Hall & Oates have enjoyed international success. Okay, that's true. But, but that's because, that's not, that's not because of, uh, that, that's not necessarily a race thing. That's more because American America has such a large influence over the rest of the world. Not just music, but, okay, but that, America in but general. But I will say your argument and stands... And American music, rock and roll music Your argument has, stands in that hip-hop music that comes out today, uh, a lot young of kids, generations won't know about Hollow Notes. And so I guess the whole point about this is not... The whole point of the article was not about monetary, you know, mo- monetarily rewarding the people that have come in the past. Although... The they thing are going to have to. They be, are going to have. They will be because sampling rewarded. is a different thing. So maybe it's right. not as good of an argument because sampling but is will, actually taking from a, a right. the artist. It's not a, exactly. It's not a good argument in right. that sense. But it is a good argument in that uh, the point is. I think it's more recognition though that she's talking about, and right. I think those artists aren't won't be recognized. You know, right? Because a younger generation, not not monetarily speaking, but re- just recognized recognized. Uh, uh, in a uh, just well, in really a, just kind of a knowing basis, you know, like knowing who that previous artist was. Uh, I want to cut what I just said out because this last little teeny bit. Why? It, I feel like we're stuttering here. Oh so. my God, Max, I can't cut out every single thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're not being recognized just as, as artists. Right. Um, uh, because oftentimes young people don't, they're not. They just don't seek. They don't know to seek. It I mean, out, there's you know? so much jazz that's been sampled in hip hop music, um, but it's not just and that. That a lot of young people don't know about jazz. In fact, at all. that's a big problem in in America. Is is jazz is jazz dying? You know, that's a big thing. Although and there are very young, big promoters. By the way, there's young jazz, the there's young hip jazz bands a, a, out now that. By the way, incorporate. It's kind of an interesting flip to the whole situation. You know, a lot of music that has happened in the past, like in pop music, has incorporated jazz elements into their music, and now it seems as though jazz has to incorporate elements of pop music into their into their music, or funk, or something else like that, to bring them into a more current, uh, uh, you know. In, into a current stage of of music, basically, be, so that it's more appealing to younger generations. And it's true, actually. I mean, jazz should keep changing, otherwise, it's gonna be a, it just dies out, you know. So now, here's another thing. Although I sh- we should always still keep a, keep alive music from the past somehow. Um, but by the way, I was just gonna mention this has happened throughout the history. You're mentioning something current, by the way, with hip hop. But uh, this has happened with, uh, throughout history. This has happened throughout history. I was going to mention Bo Diddley, that this beat 
that's an African beat. That I mean, that that is a straight up thing that uh, you know that I, I think in Ghanaian music actually they use that kind of a beat. Um, uh, and I highly doubt, and I I didn't even know that actually. Uh, until I t- took an African drumming class, actually, that that even was an African beat. But Bo Diddley, that was like one of his, that was like the Bo Diddley beat or whatever. That was like a thing that he did a lot. Well, actually, you know, that that beat is very prominently used in Bow Wow Wow's, you know, I Want Candy. That's a that's a song, that's that's a band that the writer of that article mentions. I think know, I Want Candy, I know. I think that I think that song is like a remake of a Bo Diddley song. No, I don't know. One second. No, no. Okay, so I Want Candy was not a remake, but it was an example of the Bo Diddley beat, and being utilized in a pop song. Being utilized in a pop song, and and the thing is, Bo Diddley, that three two clave rhythm that that. That rhythm, you're just saying that because you're reading the thing that I looked up. Um, no, that rhythm though, yeah, it it's it can be has traced its roots back to in African music, but even further back to sub-Saharan African. Uh, well, no, as Afro, we're reading Afro-Cuban right, music, it says actually. That's why I said that, but oh. even further back to sub-Saharan African uh, music, African traditions. music traditions, um, such as Ghanaian music. So really, know. it's it's. A genre, it, or it's it's music from one country that's influencing music from another country that's influencing a, an older genre in America that influenced pop music, a uh, pop music in the eighties, you know. And so that stuff is, I know, but I mean, whether or not he got it from Afro-Cuban music or if he got it from African music, straight up, but the, it could be. But know, the point disputed. is, I mean, a band who, like, who knows where a, he got a band that. like Bow Wow Wow may not even recognize, first of all, that it's even the Bo Diddley beat that they're Yes, they, I'm sure they are, for sure. Why do you think, yes, I am? What are you talking about? The, that that kind of Bow wow, rhythm, wow. that kind of rhythm has been used a lot. and so, I know, but I think a lot of people recognize that as a, because even this Wikipedia article on Bow Wow Wow, that song said this is a prominent example of the Bo Diddley beat. In fact, so I, I, know, I tend, I, to, I, maybe I, they didn't know, I, you know. I'm learning this right now from you, actually, that this was the Bo Diddley beat. You didn't know that? No. And in wow, fact, that's funny. That's fact, crazy to me. In fact, I've jammed out to that kind of style I've before. known about that beat for aeons. I know the beat and I've used it in my own music. But I didn't, I was not aware that that was the Bo Diddley beat. Wait, you've used that in your music? Well, I mean, I've used it. I mean, I've known about that kind of rhythm. It's 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 a pervasive rhythm. It's it's pretty ubiquitous, yeah. you know. Well, it's not ubiquitous. But it, it is, is it, perva- and rock music. Perva- it is, you know. It's, um, it's not. No, not all music. So not it's, all it's not. But it's used a lot. And my point is, like, no, I mean, it is pervasive. Though, yeah, we're. Not, I'm not. I wasn't. I and myself was not aware of this, you know. And that's. Okay, I guess because I'm just creating new music based on stuff that I've heard before. You know, I mean, or not based on stuff that I heard before, but based on stuff that I was, I've been influenced by. You know, um, now again, if the artist's goal, one of their goals, is to, you know, pay homage to all of his or her influences, that's a good thing, and that is something that I try to do. Actually, um, I like to talk about all my influences 
write down a video game music actually um sure if truly that if if we were truly talking about just naming the names um then video game music is very popular you know i mentioned this to max earlier but the the themes to super mario brothers and zelda have been heard worldwide um yet how many people can actually name the composer that that wrote those pieces of music it's koji kondo by the way just so you know um but sometimes they're celebrated in their own communities. Nobuo Iimatsu, who did the music to a lot of the Final Fantasy music, he's not particularly well known in America. He's known by well, a subculture. He, he's known. He, he is in in sort of niche markets. Niche markets. But he's a <laughs> I mean, super, in niche communities. He's a I mean, superstar really. in Japan in his own country, and so um, I think he's more than satisfied with that. You know, and so. As long as his music is being enjoyed, I think that's good enough, you know? Right. I mean, this this uh, this begs the question, is it important for an artist to be recognized or their art? Interesting question. It is. What's more important, the artist being recognized or the art being recognized? I think it's more important for the art to be recognized. Well, here's... Okay, we could is talk about... Is it necessary for the artist to be recognized? Oh, no, but it's nice. I think perhaps, though, in certain cases, because well, you might want someone might want to get in touch with that artist. We could know, talk about and, how this has been yeah. going on throughout history. I mean, look no further than Bach. You know, he was not appreciated or monetarily recognized necessarily for his works during his lifetime. But it was not right. until well, maybe a little bit, but not like it, not definitely not. To the it degree. was really not until what like Beethoven's era, right? That uh, I think it was Mendelssohn actually was led a campaign to kind of revitalize. No, they. By the took, way, it took, all the composers knew about Bach. By the way, like they they knew that this guy was you know so the composers but, knew about it, but. But I think Bach Mendelssohn, not, Mendelssohn was not led, a, well led a campaign known, to, he was not to a well revitalize known name. the name of Bach. A, he was not a well-known name in, in at, the, at the time was considered pop music or popular music. And so people don't, didn't really discover the importance of Bach until, what, at least a half a century after his death, right, Max? Yes, uh, sort of a half century later. So... It took sort of uh, a half century so later, yeah, and it then took a half century later, and Mendelssohn kind of led that camp. He 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 con- con- he contributed significantly to and so popularizing now, Bach. Now we Bach is considered one of the most important composers of all time. Um, yet I will argue that some some of his stuff is used, or some of his patterns or influence is is in even Vampire Weekend's music. You know, um, yet a kid. A normal kid listening who only knows about pop and rock music, they won't even know about that or even, unfortunately, care to know about that kind of stuff, about classical music. Well, I they mean, don't even... Because it's not about it's, that. It's, it's just, it it's is not, centuries it, old. You it's know? not about that. It's They don't even realize to know about. They don't even realize that they should know about that. You know what I mean? Or even... Or that they, li- I, don't, I should say not should, but they don't even realize... That something is being influenced, you know, influential or on that even music. the lush string arrangements that end that first Vampire Weekend album um, in the Kids Don't Stand a Chance. I mean, just having those orchestral string that, arrangements that really speaks the truth. The kids just don't stand a chance. <laughs>
Sometimes they don't. Maybe, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, there's obviously influence from string orchestration. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what would be the direct influence of that. But Well, here's the thing. But pop music uses all string music, arrangements a all lot. All music is influenced by other music in one way or another, and it... Uh, which just brings we, me to the point that we don't know it is, we, we it don't, is postmodern. Mo- modern music is postmodern in that sense. But we also don't. If I had to name all my influences, I'd be blue blue in the face by the time I'm done. You know, uh, it's blue in like, the balls. Actually, I also you'd be blue in the balls. Too. There are also certain things that I'm subconsciously influenced by, and I possibly wouldn't even have known that. On a conscious level, that I was influenced by that. That's what thing, I just said you know about I mean? Bo Diddley, the Bo Diddley pattern. You know, well, that's Nikki, yes. Pinky. No, but that—that's what. Uh, just as an example, you know, I mean, well, no, that's different than what I'm talking about. That's just you being uh, knowledgeable about that. I'm saying, no, on a subconscious level, I might have incorporated something into my music, and I didn't even realize that. Oh, oh, in fact, I guess I was influenced by this song. I didn't sure. even think about that. You know, I mean. Especially because Max and I sometimes people, have studied a lot of music in the past, and we know a lot of about music in general. And so, well, you didn't know the Bo Diddley. I, I know, but I know who Bo Diddley was. I just didn't realize that that he kind of sort of created that rhythm, or kind of well, he pioneered, popularized, popularized, popularized it in America, that rhythm. And so, um, you know, we know a lot about things, and so we are, you know, in turn influenced by a lot of different kinds of styles of music. Um, especially jazz music. Um, but somebody, some ordinary person, not ordinary person, that's that's kind of insulting, but some average listener of rock music might listen to our band's music and think, oh, they're especially influenced by 60s rock, pop rock music, um, which is true, but, but there's a lot of other influences where, going on. We, there's a lot of other influences going on, especially bossa nova music, and and Bart Davenport, Bart Davenport, Nikki. But there's also a lot of jazz influence. I mean, I use a lot of nine chords in my music, which is kind of a jazz thing to do, you know. And so, the, because we come from a jazz background, we started off as jazz musicians. And well, so maybe okay. the, the idea about that, the, the fact is, but I don't think it's necessarily important. Because it might be boring for fans to hear that. I mean, true diehard fans might want to listen to that if they are true, if they are actually musicians themselves. But they they don't want about hear about me adding nines to my chords to give it more to well, give it more color that, because it sound in it because it sounds more jazzy. Here's another thing about. I mean, here's another thing. But about it, it is something that does influence my music. You know. Here's another thing, though. I think, um, you know, that woman was talking about. I just want to bring back up another point is I'm not quite sure exactly. Well, maybe this is a good point. Maybe she said, she's saying, well, maybe these bands should, uh, maybe just talk about their influences a little bit more. That way people should, could get to know the musics that have influenced them just, and, and it's not like a, maybe she's not trying to be disparaging in that sense, but she's just saying, maybe you should just do that because it will, it'll create a bigger, audience for those people that have influenced you and maybe you should give due credit to those people maybe that's a good point you know yeah that is a good point but the thing is with with vampire weekend and bands like that 
I'm not quite sure if it's any one band or group that influenced them. It might just be those rhythms and those instruments that influenced them. Right. No, I think and, that's and the what thing it is. is it's like, I think they might not even be aware of the names. The names she's talking about. I'm again, again, our, our friend, no, don't again, our friend who had listened to African music all his life didn't, didn't even know. know some of those names. So how do we know that those names she's mentioning whether I mean, how do we know that whether or not those Weekend specific names influence influence Vampire Weekend, and how do we know? So we just don't know. Maybe that's a point. Is maybe they should say, but I don't think that it, that's that important. Like, it's, should they? Or do they have to say? I mean, that's who cares about that? Well, people do, I guess. I mean, I, I just think. Um, <laughs> uh, well, just another point though is, um, it does take a. I think, especially in our society, in in America, I mean, this isn't this is generalizing here, but in order for those musics to be um, accessible for a mainstream audience, it does take pop music to incorporate that into their music. It takes like the fundamentals of rock music, actually. Well, not fundamentals of rock, but also just pop. I mean. Uh, a it, level of melody and It takes a level of just yeah, melody, just catchiness. I guess. I mean, whatever pop music means to you, um, it, it takes American that, pop music. Well, I think it's just whatever is popular. I guess it, it takes just that level uh, uh, of accessibility um, to be able to re- for for those world musics to reach a broader audience. Because you say know? what you want about that different world music genre and it, I mean, it can be say, very say, good. say what you want it, it can be good to and nice to listen to but it's certainly never going to be popular in this country because it's not poppy and it is a niche thing it's not it's not the most accessible kind of music there is you know well maybe that is a change that should happen why I mean, should it happen well i mean it shouldn't we shouldn't force it to happen if it does naturally no then that's fine. we shouldn't but here's the the thing about radio stations, for instance, I mean, just in the landscape of how music is disseminated, uh, we don't uh, we don't readily disseminate music from other countries, you know, or that world music, you know. I mean, we do sometimes if it's poppy enough, I guess, like from French, you know. Uh, what are those? I will argue that what, if, what, what, if it is popular what's enough. Her, what's her name? The you know the robot guys. What's her name? Daft Punk, right? Uh, Daft Punk is like one of the biggest groups of all time. Uh, but again, you know? their music is very influenced by American pop music. Well, I mean, no, but ele- but they're electronic. That was a very French thing, actually. They're actually, yeah, I know, but they're they're very funky, and they almost sound like disco and funk music. That's what their music sounds. I know, like but right they now. do have. Uh, you can clearly hear electronic. <laughs> Anyway, electronic music. That's and, not and, even the, the point. But I mean, I if you look at a band, if but if you look at uh, what's his name, Psy, who came out with Gangnam Style a couple years ago, that was like the biggest song that year, you know, and it's from South Korea, and so that had this level of poppiness that. That's not what I'm saying, though. That's not my argument. My oh, argument okay. is I don't know what your argument is. My though. argument is. Producers in America and produce in and radio stations have a certain way. They they are very narrow in their scope of what music that they output. You know. So in other words, I, I heard an interview with Tom Hanks I talking know, about but- music he was listening to back in the day when he was younger, and the radio station wouldn't be 
stations wouldn't be, um, I mean, I don't know. This is what he was saying. I think this is what he meant was that stations wouldn't be divided up into like, oh, this station, you're going to get world, a top world music. This isn't a top 40 channel. He said, I had, we had music and we would hear everything basically, you know, it was just whatever the DJ was like, liked basically, you know, but I know, but it's world and, music and so, is so niche that, I mean, I, for one would not, it, I don't think it's practical to create a whole station based on world music. I know, but I'll give you an example. I mean, okay. some people might want to listen to I'll that. I'll give you an but- example. Calypso music is a very is you know something that's you know from the you know from the West Indies or you know or well anyway I'll give you an example Calypso music is something that you don't think would have been a popular thing uh, because it was I mean that's a world music thing you know but it became very popular uh, in what the sixties fifties sixties or whatever sure. Um, because of, uh, you know... Harry Belafonte. Harry Bert of Belafonte, uh, who brought it in, into, a, into the U.S. and it became popular. It became pop music. And so that's an example of somebody that... Uh, of an example of something that was world music that could actually become popular, you know? I would and argue so, like, that... That, that could happen ar- with other countries, too. I would too, argue you know? that the Calypso in his music is also influenced by American jazz music, though. You know, like... I don't know about that. There's a lot of horns and and it it just I mean, I don't know, you know, it it just I don't know, Deo, is that, you know, the banana boat song? Oh, I'm thinking like Jump in the Line, you know. Or is that what it's called? Banana Jump boat? in the Line. The banana boat song, that's what it's called, right? Deo? No, hey, you're right. But you know why? Cuz there is a level of catchiness to that song, you know. There's a level of catchiness and so we might ju- we might it doesn't matter what the influences are. I'm saying it is still as world music. I'm saying there might be a level of catchiness in other countries' songs that are musics that we're not recognizing because they don't have a global platform. Okay, for that, you know. But here's so the in thing, that sense, maybe it is here's important. The thing, to, why you know. is it the responsibility of America to disseminate that kind of music? It's not. She's saying maybe uh, bands. It, I, I don't think she, maybe the point is, which is why at the end she concludes it by saying, but the point at the end is that it we're having fun and that's what really matters at the end. But I think she's saying maybe we should, it's not, you know, it's not the responsibility of the band to recognize, to say what all their influences are, but maybe they should. And that way we can grow, we can grow in our musical tastes as a culture, you know, as a society. Yeah, I guess you're right. But ultimately, unfortunately, you know, that it's not it's it's still going to be niche. Unfortunately, the way the music industry is right now. That's what I'm saying though, is what I'm saying is if something became popular enough, then maybe it would not become niche, hey, you know? You and I both like smooth jazz music, but there's no longer smooth jazz station in the San Francisco Bay Area and not really in Los Angeles anymore. The smooth jazz station was the wave that we grew up with. And right now they don't even describe themselves as a smooth jazz station anymore. It's a soul and uh, R and B station essentially. Well, I know, but you could say that about jazz too or anything like that. That's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation. I mean, what can we do? We can, we can talk about our influences. Yeah. But, uh, 
I mean, I guess that's the best we could do. Um, but again, that's, yeah, we're talking about the dissemination of the world music. But again, the, a band like Vampire Weekend might not even be aware of all these artists that she mentioned in the first place. Right, right. I mean, as I said before, it seems to me they're more influenced by an, if American, anything, musician. By an American musician, actually. Um, but I'm, I could be wrong. I don't know what they're influenced by. Uh, maybe they should have mentioned more of. I well, think. But we, here's the this thing. is not. A, by the way, I, I do want to make a by, point by that way, this is not a race thing because it, it's a culture thing. Because it's not because right. It's a, it's a cultural. It, thing. It, it's a cultural thing because this happens within America itself. And look, we could talk about how much the blues influenced modern rock. Rock and roll music because it modern really, music, modern music because it really did. Um, but people don't seek blues very often. I mean, by the way, I think blues. Here's here's okay. This is a good example. Blues has influenced a lot of music that I liked, but blues itself, there's very few blues artists that I actually do like. And I hate to say it, but a lot of blues is boring to me. I mean, I don't. You know, it just is. Um, and that's just because, but even though it has influenced other things, so uh, maybe that's another thing. I that's mean, an argument for why world music is so niche, actually. Right. You know? I mean, not to say I don't want to disparage all world music. I mean, it's world music. It's, there's a lot. Sure, there, there's a lot you know? there. But, but I'm just saying. Uh, I guess that there's an example. The example is that uh, blues itself might not have mainstream appeal. You know. In the same way, you know, pop music does, and definitely there are bands because like pop the music Ro- is there are bands well, like the Rolling popular. Stones uh, and Led Zeppelin, like the Rolling Stones, actually stole. I mean, apparently from some of these blue artists. I know, but that artists. is kind of like that's that is a little bit more of a race thing. I would say that actually. now that's a race thing, actually. But I, I mean, that's say, like you know these white musicians. But you know what? But I will I'll say this. They, they I'm not even it. that into the Rolling Stones. I don't really like the Rolling Stones that much. Right. Um, I guess the difference there is also, I, it, it's not just a race thing too, by the way. I think part of it is they obviously performed it in a certain way and manner that was youthful and lively for And people. they incorporated it into pop music, essentially. Right. Um, but I, I will say... And we do recognize the pioneers of of rock and rock and roll music um like um fats domino and although my and, friend actually put, and Bear, pointed and, out uh, what what uh sorry uh god why am i forgetting him st st louis uh you know chuck berry chuck, no yeah chuck berry yeah well uh, here's the thing i i think well you know our friend actually did point out though that fats well fats domino died recently actually um and he's you know, record. He's not record. I mean, a lot of kids probably wouldn't know who he is, but Elvis people would. The songs know. were popular. So though, I guess at it, the time, I think, yeah, they were. But I guess especially at that time, definitely in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, I, I rescind what I said. I mean, it definitely probably was. There was a big racial thing about it for sure. I mean, that's definitely a true. But thing. I, I, I will I argue. I will also argue that there was a problem with race at at that time, and but. We have progressed in our society now where well, I mean, we there do, still is a problem with we, race today. There is a problem with race today, but less so in music, I think. You know? Right. I mean I, I mean the the I think if any industry is at the forefront of progression, it is the music industry, I feel. You know? I don't know about that. Why? 
pro- the forefront of progress? I mean, you mean in terms of, you know, you mean racially? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not. Yeah, in uh, racially speaking. So, um, well, not just racially, but uh, just uh, in a civil rights kind of manner. You know, how so? You know, not not just race, but you know, dealings with. Uh, you know, sexual identity and things like that, you know? Oh, maybe you're right. Um, Especially that, actually. I guess. Um, And so, um, so it is, music is different now, and I think we do, we recognize our influences a lot more than we used to. Already we do. Um, So even for this writer to write about the lack of, um, of recognition uh, for these African artists, I think it is a little ignorant because I think we do try as much as we can. I know. I think today vamp- more, th- oh, more so more than ever to, to recognize, recognize our, influence. our influences. I think, and I'm pretty sure Vampire Weekend. Listen to their interviews. I, I'm so sure they've probably recognized all their influences many a times. I mean, we're a band that's pretty small. Our band. And we always recognize our whenever we do an interview. We recognize. Or, I mean, that's a qu- common question. What is your influence? Who are you when you get interviewed? I'm so sure they've probably named their influences in their right. music. Right. It almost and seems if they like- haven't named some of these, if they haven't named some of these African groups that the, the woman mentioned in the article, likelihood is they never heard of those people. Right. You know? I, that's such a great point, Max. That we're a smaller. We're not an extremely popular band. Our band, Little Person. Yet, in every interview that we've done, um, whether it be a writing interview, we're always asked, who are your biggest influences? In, you know, and we will always, we always want to list as many as possible. And so that's a common question. I'm sure Vampire Weekend has gotten that question a lot. And so to say that they have avoided recognizing certain artists... From Africa, I think that's uh, a little ignorant, actually. Right, and if they have have avoided it, it probably means that they weren't influenced, actually, by that. Although that's not true, because I've actually know I've read many articles on Vampire Weekend and how they have popularized African uh, African rhythms in in rock music. They were kind of one of the first bands to do that. And they talk about they talk about their appreciation. They they talk about actually. Straight up, that's why uh, Ezra Koenig and the drummer first bonded over their appreciation for African music, actually. Right. That's, so, they talk about that. Right. So I guess the point is in this, actually, now the more I think about it, is this article is wrong, actually, because they have recognized their and, influence and in of fact, African music, actually. I, in fact, yeah, I think they've always talked about, I mean, there's also been Rolling Stones articles all about the fact that they, you know, about how influential that band has been because of a lot of rock bands uh, starting to incorporate at the time rock, you know african beats into their into their music because of vampire weekend i think right it's it's gosh you're right I and mean, i think i think that's you know so if we are if that's the case we do know that we we were very uh, conscious of the fact that they uh, you know, appropriate African styles into their music. And therefore, at that point, it is up to the listener to seek African music out if they want. You yeah, know? exactly. It really truly is because, you know, I think most musicians want to talk about their influences. 
I mean, right. they, they, because they really hold them dearly um, to, to their hearts, you know, they, in they, their hearts, in their hearts, they, they really appreciate them. And the, the musicians that I've been influenced by, I always want to talk about those musicians, um, right down to Rishi Sakamoto, you know, I think it's Rishi, um, who is a Japanese composer, um, and, uh, a very, very, one of the best actually. And so I guess the point of all this is that, you know, musicians, they already take on the responsibility of naming off the kind of music, the genres of music they're influenced by and the artists they're influenced by because they want to, because they are inspired by those people and those artists and they honor those artists and exalt them in a lot of ways. So if if now, a listener if a listener wants to go beyond the band know, itself the band itself it is up to them to seek out those influences you know the the people that the artists that influenced that band because you know that's what can we do beyond talking you know talking about those influences ourselves you know right and uh, as musicians uh, you know i mean i guess the thing is they're not directly incorporating a specific group into their music, you know, like Paul Simon did, you know, he, he, he brought that, that choral group into, you know, uh, what was the name again? Uh, Lady something? Lady Smith, you know, Paul Simon, like <gasps> Paul Simon did with Lady Smith, Black Mambazo? Mambazo? I'm not, I'm not going to edit that out. Mambazo. Sorry. I, I know it sounds, maybe I'm a little ignorant about this, but, um, well, you no, didn't I mean, know, I you didn't know. You didn't know. I mean, you you knew that it, there was a band, but it, it, uh, any event, in any event, even though he brought them to a commercial stage, you know, it did take. You know, I'm sorry. Even though he brought them to a commercial stage, they're still they're globally, you know, recognized now, but still in world music, you know. Uh, they are pop musicians. I don't know if they've created, you know, and that's just the way it is in America. You know, there's a certain style, you know, that has spanned throughout all of pop music, our pop music history in America, that there's something about it, a sort of hookiness or a catchiness that, you know, one has that, that it needs to have in order for, I guess, to become popular. I'm not sure how to explain it, but, uh, more than that, but perhaps that group hasn't created an album that has had that kind of appeal in America for them. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's a a group like, um, the gypsy King. I was going to just say that, that, that somehow they were able to cross over. They, and it's only because there's a level of poppiness to their music. You there know? is a level of it, poppiness to their music. I, yeah. I don't know what that is. I mean, it, it would involve going into a, do, into a deeper discussion on what pop music is and what it entails. And we don't really have the time on this episode of our podcast to talk about that. Right. But there is a level of poppiness in their music that was able to achieve a mainstream appeal. Right. Even though that kind of group would certainly not be, get, be able Flamenco to get popular. Music, it's like pretty much... Sort kind of, of, sort of it has music. different. De- where are the Gypsy Kings from? They're gypsies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because they. 
I don't even know the language they speak because I remember playing the Gypsy Kings for somebody who hadn't heard about them before, but who spoke Spanish. And he was like, they use some Spanish words, but it's like not quite Spanish necessarily. You know, he like understood some of it, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, Basque or something like that, you know, or, you know, some combination of languages, you know? And so um, anyway, the Gypsy Kings, they were a crossover band, would be considered world music. Oh, wow, it's interesting. So I'm looking up the Gypsy Kings right now. Yeah, they did incorporate, obviously, flamenco, but salsa as well, oh, and pop music. So they kind of, they combine genres, actually. And you know where they're from? They're from the south of France, actually. I knew that. But, I knew that. But I knew that. I knew that. they sing in Andalusian and Spanish. Andalusian's like... Uh, it's the south of Spain. It's, it's a south, like, of, south of Spain, northern Moroccan kind of influence. Uh, and illusion. And a lot of their, their, a lot of their, par- their parents were from like Morocco and, and Catalonia. <laughs> Max is trying to look this up on his computer right now, but he doesn't, Moroccan, wear, he doesn't have glasses I or guess contacts the, I guess he doesn't called, wear them, unfortunately. I guess, and I he guess, can't even see that. I guess they're called the Gypsy Kings because their parents actually were... Spanish gypsies that fled Catalonia, actually, to France, um, interestingly enough. So, anyway, the Gypsy Kings, they combined... During, this this, a, during the Spanish Civil War. Here's an example of a group that combined different genres, and they created music that crossed over and became, uh, came into the mainstream across the world... They're an internationally recognized band, yet we don't. We had to look up just now the influences that were involved in their own music. We didn't know the genres that well, influenced no, their I own music. I did know. I I knew that flamenco music flamenco was involved and, in pop music and maybe Spanish styles. Well, that is flamenco, but uh, I guess it's called Catalan rumba. Actually, okay, so you didn't know that, oriented. but now you know that because you looked it up because you actually were interested to seek that out. But it's a well cool, because of this. But discussion, I think it's but, a beautiful thing in general that we were able to just enjoy the Gypsy Kings for what it was without knowing the subgenres that had to do with that band. You know that influenced that band. Right, there's we nothing were, wrong. It's with It's a that. beautiful thing that all these subgenres created or influenced this group to make some beautiful music you know and and that's a great thing i think you know that's a pretty neat thing yeah i mean you know we can enjoy the music for what it is without having to get our minds wrapped up in analyzing what actually influenced this music it's interesting to talk about and it's interesting to look up but sometimes music shouldn't be analyzed in the moment, we should just enjoy it for what it is. Well, I mean, I don't think the point of that article is to be analyzing it in the moment. You know, that's not what she was saying. Well, about. yeah, I know, but I think it's a pretty neat thing that even if you don't want to analyze it, you can still enjoy it, and that's cool enough. That these genres from all over Europe in and from and beyond influence the Gypsy Kings to create something that broke barriers throughout the world. You I know? guess the final word in the whole situation is music is influenced by so many, you know, every music kind of music. is continually, you know, 
as it progresses or as it evolves, I shouldn't say progresses, as it evolves, it continues to, it's always influenced by something that, you know, precedes, precedes it. You know, the, there's so many antecedents to what certain music is, you know, it's just, you can't, as I said before, you can't name them all. And you can, and bands do do that. Like, especially indie bands, they always, uh, uh, you know, recognize their influences. I'm sure in interviews, they've always talked about that kind of stuff, but even still, you know, there's so much stuff that influences you that it's just, it's hard to sometimes with a band like the gypsy Kings, it's just nice to sit back and enjoy the music. No, I know. But I guess what I'm just saying, I I don't like that ending that you're saying, trying to make it end there. You know, I'm just saying, uh, you know, there's just, of course, there's going to be artists that go unrecognized. I mean, that just happens because, you know, when a pop, when a music sort of the that's the history of that's music. the history that's the problem and beauty of the evolution of music. Yeah, it's just you know, music evolves, and unfortunately, I did actually want to talk. Things are I actually wanted to mention something things- that is actually very much related to what you just said is that, um, bands like like Motown bands like The Temptations or The Miracles were influenced by earlier duop bands like the drifters um and and the crests they were influenced by the crests yeah to a degree you know you're sure i mean you can hear that they were you know why are you saying the crests they, they i mean well, whatever well the, i mean the drifters are I probably said, much I more influential bands like like these you know oh, okay. um like these duop bands who were in turn influenced by pre-duop groups like the ink spots and how many people can name who know who the ink spots are now? We can talk about the temptations a lot. But and they were once the most popular group in America, I think, actually. Yeah. And in fact, one of their songs, um, um, Night on Fire, Set the World on Fire, that's one of the biggest selling singles of all time. Yet most people wouldn't even be able to name the ink spots because of the evolution of music, because of how things have changed, you know? And, you know, if you want to choose to sink, uh, seek that kind of music out, that's cool. And that's what we have YouTube. That's what's so great about the internet, actually. Um, I guess we could end on this note, that the internet makes us, and it allow, the It's called, I don't want to set the world the, on fire. The internet allows us the opportunity, opportunity to explore music from around the world and from the past right at our very fingertips. And that's a cool thing. YouTube alone allows us to do that. You can argue, though, against that in that the Ink Spots did have their moment in the sun, though, you know? Whereas maybe these... I know, but they had their moment in the sun at a particular time in a particular place, much like these African musicians had their moment in a different sun in their own country... At a particular time and in a particular place, right? You see what I'm saying? I, I think it's all perception. Spots, you, know? you just said the Ink Spots, though. That was one of the highest selling singles of all time. That's whereas true. the Af- these African groups, you know, uh, it's definitely not on a global thing. You know, global in a global way, international way. Well, that, they- that that's, I mean, that's the thing about our you know about america is america has had so much influence over the rest of the world and doesn't necessarily happen 
the other way around, you know? I mean, it has clearly with fans like Vampire Weekend, but um, it's only affects our our music in rela- in terms of how we can change pop music, not how, or how we can evolve in pop music, not necessarily how we can evolve to a place where these world music genres are popular. I mean, it might get to that point eventually, but... Um, like the Gypsy Kings. Like the Gypsy Kings. So Gypsy Kings are a perfect example of a group who was able to explore different subgenres from around the world and combine them to create a popular music internationally speaking, you know? Right. I, I guess... Uh but again, they were from southern France. In France, so it's is, still Western music. Sir, yes, France. Well, you know, well, part of their stuff came from northern African influences. But I should say though that they still maybe were in a position where their music could be disseminated a little bit easier. Well, but, than like maybe African groups, perhaps. But it, I don't know. It is also a thing where Western music is markedly different from traditional Western music is markedly different from traditional African music from traditional East Asian music, you know? And so if we've, us Westerners are going to be more attuned to a certain Western sound and want to strive to listen to that kind of sound more. The other music from around the world is more, is interesting to us, but I think ultimately in general, as Westerners, we want to listen and we desire a more Western sound. Well, I can quibble with that a little bit. I mean, that's... No, I, I'm talking about in, as a mass group, you know, as, as uh, the masses in Western civilization are going to desire to listen to a more Western style sound you know western style of pop music well i i don't know if again i don't know if it's like a western style of pop i think it's more like again there was a north african influence in their music i think it's more like how can we bring those influences into the western world the western world and 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 unfortunate that is unfortunate and the way that is is unfortunate the the western world uh you know, has the ability more than in any other country to be able to reach a global audience. Although that's not totally, I mean... Again, South Korea, that, that yeah, song. Yeah, that song but, is but was that so big. that song you know? is influenced by Western music, I know, for but sure, I guess, you know? I guess right now with the internet, anything is possible right now. I mean... That's what I'm really trying to say. Is, the internet is possible. I, I think right we now... We have this music at our fingertips. Right, so if YouTube not, alone. I guess really at the point is, you know, nowadays... You know, if something does gain a, a, a something can really create a, a snowball effect in the same way an indie band who's small can create a, a get big, so can a group from Africa can get big if it if it does have a, an appeal enough, a mainstream appeal, then they would be on a global platform, you know basically we have all this music at our fingertips on our computers. And if we're truly interested in exploring genres from around the world, we will do it because we have YouTube and things like that. And I think that's a pretty neat thing about the internet. Any last word about that, Max? Um, 
Yeah. Well, no, we do I mean, have everything. We at our, end this episode because it's have, getting really we long. We do have the, everything at our fingertips, uh, but it's not just that. It's that we have the ability to much more in a much easier way to disseminate our music in to fact, everyone else. This world you know? music is so. In other words, this world music is disseminated very much so on the internet. That's that's exactly what I'm trying to say. God, were you not listening to me? No, you just said we have the ability, but it uh, it we don't just have the, the ability. It is done. I know that's my point. I'm saying because it is done, then I guess there really is no. If it were actually appealing enough to people, then they would listen to it, and it it would get pop more popular. But maybe that just goes to show you, um, at least in maybe the Western world, our ears are not, or in the rest of the world outside of Africa, maybe those bands. Uh, uh, we, we have a different way of listening we, we to have a music. Different, we have we a different, different way, way of, of perceiving what sounds good to us. Right. So maybe could those bands actually be popular if in this climate that in this internet climate that we're in? I think it takes or many, with the technology we have might, now, it could, but it would take many many years for that to happen. No, but I guess what I mean is it would take the changing of how we perceive. Good, what good music is, you know? Right. So in other words, in the same way that right now a song like the Ink Spots would not be able to get popular now because it doesn't sound fresh. like an appeal, it doesn't sound like a fresh appealing thing to people. Uh, no, I don't like to say fresh because that's subjective and, and but I think a song like that wouldn't be popular now because it's not what young kids are listening to it's not it's not what uh it's not doesn't sound how it doesn't have a main it doesn't have a mainstream appeal in that same way maybe certain world musics that are disseminated on the internet which have the ability to be popular that it's capable of being popular because it's out there the reason they aren't popular on you know internationally is just maybe because that's just not what's in right now you know yeah but I'm not really talking about what's necessarily in necessarily. It's it's more like our Western ears perceiving what is that, good. That's what know? I'm saying. Not just our, as I, what isn't popular because the ink spots. No, that's what I'm saying. I've heard the ink spots in TV shows and movies because we still appreciate and think that sounds so good. So what? We still hear African stuff in movies and stuff like that. Uh, I know, but... Uh, I mean, it depends on the mood you're trying to set, obviously. But I think actually, there are certain times in in Western music which, that where uh, what if if African music had the ability to reach a greater audience, uh, I think when Graceland came out, and it has you know reached a global audience, but definitely not as much as Paul Simon himself, you know, because there is something that, as you said. Our ears are attuned to a certain it's, way it's of, as of how we, it, we perceive music. It's the, you know? it's the that same way music, that how how we think maybe a commercial music would be. I guess it's you know? the same way that um, you know Javanese gamelan. Just the tones that sound appealing to them, or to in, uh, that are appealing in that culture, is different from the tones that are appealing in Western music. Right, and we may like those sounds. But, but because we're in the West, we're influenced by other kinds of music, we're going to use those sounds 
and not just use them, you know, naked as the way, you know, with the way they're intended We're in Java. We're going to appropriate in, them in, into... In, in Gamelan and in We're going to combine them with our... Uh, our We're going to combine them with our own music and create something that... Even could new. Have, that it, I sh- we keep talking about... Uh, that would have a mainstream appeal that as if we're creating it for the people, but it's not that it's that we're creating it for, because that's the way, because, well, that's what sounds good to that's us. That's what sounds good to us personally, you know, uh, because we grew up with Western music. So, uh, certainly if you grow up in the West, you're going to grow up with Western music. That's just the way it is, you know, you know, and, and so with that said, you know, it's like, well, you know, of course these things are going to be appropriated in a certain way, uh, and they're not going to just be, uh, well, I, I don't know. You can cut this part out. No, I'm not going to cut it out. I don't know what, I, I just, why? Why do I cut it out? Well, I, th- I guess, I, I don't know what I'm. my point was really at the end. I kind of just want to take that back. But. Okay, so in the end, music is constantly evolving, and John, John was, genres from around the world are being appropriated into our music here in the West, in Western civilization. Oh, by the way, you and didn't mention it, Babyface and Madonna, by the way. You didn't say that. Just wanted to mention that. Oh, you know, oh, oh, in Take a Bow. In that song, Take a Bow, the, there's East Asian music influences that are being appropriated in that song in particular. I mean, okay, that's just an example, though. You know, I mean, I know, but that I want to say that example. all the time, you know, and, and I know, right. But it, it makes it sound you know, cool and it makes it sound appealing and beautiful, but it also takes a level of American pop poppiness to make it appealing too. So, well, yeah, maybe to that writer who was babyface, Kenneth babyface. Right. And, and, uh, while the actual music he was appropriating might, he might've thought that was appealing to him, but he maybe didn't identify with that solely, you know, he identifies with a whole myriad of well, different types of music. He was writing for uh, a particular artist. That's too, true. You know? That's true. And anyway, um, well, that's a different story. But anyway, the, I guess the so point, what I'm saying is, let's end this is, I know, is, but I'm saying is, uh, for instance, well, Max, let's not come up with a uh, for instance okay, anymore. Okay, this okay, is end this. Okay okay, okay. 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 Look, music is constantly changing. We're, it's constantly evolving. And, you know, if we want to seek out, what's influencing the evolution of music, we will do that. It's very easy to do that It's very easy to do that now because it's at our fingertips. It's on our computers. It's on the internet. And that's it. That's my story. And And those artists themselves are more than capable now more than ever to reach a wider audience, you know? Um, And more than ever before. Sometimes they are not as capable, but they are more than ever before capable of doing that's it. Right, that's right. And, that's right. That's right. Um, well, the, the, she, you know, these groups that she was mentioning had recording the, exactly. careers. They're, they're so capable. they are more than capable. Actually. And, um, yeah, exactly. And well, if they're still alive I and the musicians, the Western musicians themselves, like us, we want to talk about our influences so our job is already done, and it's up to the listener at that point to explore. And I implore you to explore. I implore you to explore. Um, I implore you to explore. Oh, and oh, Max, oh, I let's just, just end no, this. I just want to say, Why I you implore have to you do to this? explore. 
if you disagree with anything we say, uh, please comment and comment let us and know. let us know. Maybe we you can change your minds about something, or maybe we overlook something. We try to be as pragmatic as possible about approaching these maybe what might seem like controversial subjects. But um, this is a lot. It's not a black and white issue. This is not this a, black- a lot of gray. And as we did, I mean. We kept going back and forth on this and playing devil's advocate here a lot. So maybe we missed the point. Maybe we missed something that uh, you would want to bring up. I mean, we don't want to keep, you know, as Nikki wants to finish this podcast now. So it's like, well, we should. This is going on a long time. It's going a long, long time. So maybe we missed something. You so know? so please means, comment. In the on meantime, it. though, we, we implore you, it, we it, implore instead, you to comment it, and we implore you to explore. Instead of depending on the artist to do the work for you, take initiative. Take initiative. And explore yourselves. We implore you to explore. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. Tune in next time.